Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Good evening, everybody. All right, don't get too comfy. Everybody grab your stuff, pick it up. We're moving to the front two rows. Yes, come on. Do you, do you acknowledge me as your pastor, the one who is called by the Lord? <laughs> this is my calling to be here. Front two rows, no seats in between you. I'm serious. Come on. No seats in between you. And you know what? Come onto the, onto the floor as well. I'm serious, come on. If you are younger, come on. Oh, Angie, yeah, what? I'm serious. If I could, don't get too comfy. Ladies on this side, come over here. You can quick grab that spot next to Grant. It's, it's right there. Uh, <laughs> come on. Come on, Josh, come on. Um, so, who's been to camp before, like, as a kid? Um, I have a special place for Camp My Heart, right? But one of the things about it is this right here. You're close. It's an intimate space. You're out of your comfort zone. You're doing things differently. And tonight is different. I don't know, this is, I didn't plan this, but the Lord is doing something tonight and it's different. It's intimate and it's sweet. Do you sense that? Do you feel that? So we're going to move in obedience to that and submit to that and continue in that vein. Does that sound good? Perfect. Look to your new friend next to you. Oh. You guys said hello. I didn't even say to do anything. Nice. <laughs> um, did she leave it on there? Oh, yeah. Hey, look, there's my message. Um, good. I'm glad you guys are close because you're going to need each other tonight. <laughs> um... You didn't know it, but we'll get there. So it's, it's a new year, everybody. 2024, welcome to the first Ignite night. We're here together. Um, and I'm not changing. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, because my, my mantra is still moving forward. I want to become more like Jesus. And if you've heard me preach before, I've pretty much reduced everything down into this phrase of becoming more like Jesus by dot 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 right so we got another one tonight all right so who wants to become more like Jesus yeah. yes who wants to become more like Jesus even if it's got to change you yes okay who wants to become more like Jesus Jesus um, even if he's asking you to change in a way that's um, not exactly exciting or adventurous but it's rather actually boring and mundane <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Morgan's not a boring person, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to become more like Jesus, even if it's painful? Oh. <laughs> Who wants to become more like Jesus from suffering? Oh, yeah, not a lot of hands there now. That is one way to take air out of the room. That's right. Tonight we're talking about becoming more like Jesus by suffering. <laughs> through his suffering and through ours. It's exciting, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Rand. But I want to submit to you that a lifestyle of following Jesus without suffering is a false gospel. Suffering is the very tool he uses to reveal the deep parts of who he is and change you into more like him. There's magnets on this and I can't pull it off. <laughs> there we go. Jesus suffered and we're going to suffer and that's all a good thing. It's not fun, but it's good. So the title of my sermon tonight is sanctified in the suffering. Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> so I'm just going to put it out there and say that we as an American um, culture, people group, American church, we're pretty terrible at suffering. And without getting too far into the rabbit hole of why that might be, let's just chuck it up to say that... Um, in its simplest form, um, we're a culture built around comfort and convenience. And really, nobody likes pain. Now, don't get me wrong, I love comfort and convenience. <laughs> um, and it's not a bad thing in and of itself. I love my heated seats with auto start car and all-wheel drive. We live in Michigan. <laughs> that is comfort and convenience, and I gladly paid extra for that. Um, I love how order ahead at like restaurants is just a thing across the board now. And I don't have to talk to anybody and there's a better chance of my order being right. Um, I love my snowblower and I love my, uh, and I got a short driveway, okay? And I, <laughs> and I love my mower that I sit on and ride for my quite frankly small yard. And yet I still find myself complaining when I gotta go clean off my car, or when I gotta order food by talking to people, <laughs> or when the snow is too heavy for the snowblower, first time this <laughs> winter, Grant, Grant knows, or how many times I have to actually cut my grass <laughs> in the summer. And really, these are such small ideas of suffering and of pain, right? We as Christ followers are not being persecuted for our faith or risking our lives to meet in an underground church like some of our brothers and sisters of the faith. Most of us are not shamed from our families because we're holding near to the name of Christ. And none of us have smuggled Bibles that would put our lives in jeopardy, just reading them and owning them. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to diminish our pain or our hurt or our own suffering, but perspective is good. And after all, the gospel is good news meant for all people in all places at all times. And that includes us here, now, in our present circumstances. So, the truth is that we don't like things that cause pain or make our lives more miserable. 
inconvenient, slow, or that require more work, or just when they don't go our way. The truth is, apart from Jesus, we don't like the cross. Well, to be specific, we don't like our cross. We love Jesus and his cross, right? The one that saves us from hell and damnation. <laughs> the one that tells me everything is going to be uh, okay and fix all of my wrong, brokenness, and sin in my life. The one that demonstrates the highest act of love and solidifies us as friends of God. We love that cross. But we don't like our own cross. I don't like my cross. My, my flesh hates that cross. My flesh hates the cross because... It's the one I have to pick up and carry in order to follow Jesus. My flesh hates it because it involves all the things that I don't like. Carrying my cross is filled with pain, being inconvenienced, being slowed down, having to do more work, and of course, it's filled with things not going my way. It's not fun, but it is good. So, let's take a moment and look at the importance of Jesus suffering together. So feel free to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Um, and if you can't keep up, they're going to be on the screen. I'm kind of just going to blow through scriptures because i got quite a few of them. It's kind of how I roll. Um, so first we've got to see that Jesus' suffering and death on the cross is imperative and that it changes the very nature of what suffering can even be. He changed the game and he flipped the script on pain, suffering, and trials. One of the false gospels that we need to be aware of that I mentioned before and fight against is the one that divorces Jesus from the cross. The one that separates him from his suffering. The one that separates our following of him from our own cross and our own suffering. You see, that's a false good news that says Jesus loves you and now everything is going to be all right. And then it ends there. And of course, it is true that Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you and everything is going to be all right for those who accept salvation through him. But when the story ends there and there is no demand from you and no invitation to live like him, when pain comes, you are left blaming God for the pain and for, or for allowing it in the first place because it's not what you signed up for. And that's where the enemy would love to keep you embittered towards God and caved in to your own pain. So one of the problems that people have about pain is that we have a God that claims to be good. And we, in our own definition of good, I think that pain and goodness, or good and pain, can, are mutually exclusive, right? That they're not compatible. That if I'm suffering, then God is either not God or it's simply his fault. And it's that question of if God is a good God, how can he allow pain, hurt, tragedy? How can... Uh, or why do bad things happen to good people? The sickness we need a remedy for is in our definition of good. If true goodness and absolute goodness is a trait of God, we should look to the one who is God embodied. The one who claims to be both truth and the life. That is Jesus. We turn to Jesus and without question... <laughs> We see that he is no stranger to suffering or hurt or anguish or pain. We have a God who is good and has experienced suffering. So much so that even one of his titles is the suffering servant. 
Think about this. Even the very act of um, the incarnation is an absurd embracing of pain. From glory in heaven to the helplessness of a baby subject to hunger, the cold, the physical pain, and the incapability and vulnerability to even care for himself. And when we look to the cross, we see a torture and murdering device. Not to mention the beatings, humiliations, betrayal, and abandonment that happened leading up to it. But Jesus is glorified because of his suffering. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But we do see Jesus for a little while, while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Christ's glory in our salvation is built upon his suffering. His glory is even greater because of his suffering he endured. And I would say, arguably, his, his intimacy with us is contingent on the fact that Jesus suffered. He not only knows what it's like to be human and hurt and suffer like you and I, but he took all of the suffering, all of the pain upon himself. And so he knows fully all the pain, all the heartbreak, all the sorrow, all the hurt that we could go through. And that's just from the side of his humanity. As Lord, he knows and feels even more heartache because he shares the heart of the Father for this world. The heart that longs for and seeks out the lost sheep so that they can be brought back to him. Jesus knows suffering. But that suffering is what gives way to and ratifies the work of our salvation. His suffering created a path to such intimacy with him. And in fact, his glory is inseparable from his suffering. And that reality is imperative for us. And we'll get into that in just a minute. His suffering is why he is owed our all. May the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. Pain is a part of life. For both the Christian and the non-Christian, the difference is what do we do with that pain? Pain isn't the problem. The problem is how you handle the pain and what you do with it. We can give our pain over to Jesus and allow him to use it, or we can give ourselves over to our own pain and let the enemy use it. I'm going to say it one more time because it felt good. We can, give our, we can give our pain over to Jesus, right, and let him use it, or you can give your own self over to to your pain and let the enemy use it. So why is his glory being inseparable from his suffering? Why is that so important to us? Well, it's because you can't share in his present glory without sharing our suffering with him and his suffering with us. Flip over to 1 Peter. All right, it's going to go pretty quick, so I'll just go. 1 Peter 2, 20 through 21. 
<clears throat> Pastor Matt. Thank you. First Peter 2, 20 and 21. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and you suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. Two chapters later, 1 Peter chapter 4, 13 through 14. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Christ's invitation is to share in his glory through a doorway of suffering. It's through that doorway of suffering rightly, suffering with him. The suffering that we experience and let Jesus into, it then becomes the vehicle for getting his glory into us, right? Your pain has a purpose. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Ugh. Jesus didn't suffer so that you don't have to. Right? Jesus didn't suffer so that you don't have to. Jesus suffered so that we could join him in his fullness both in his glory and in his suffering. This is why Jesus invites us and he likes to invite himself into the suffering. And so we could join to him in his fullness, in his holiness. Listen to this because this, this wrecked me. Just as Jesus, sorry, just as Jesus drew himself close to us into knowing and being like us, through suffering, our suffering for his sake and in his way draws us closer into knowing him and becoming like him. Okay, that was a big one. Let me try this again. <laughs> Just as Jesus suffered to draw himself close to us, right? His suffering brings him close to us because he knows us. He knows what it's like to be us, right? Now our suffering for his sake and his way it's what draws us close to him and teaches us to be like him. There, that landed a lot better this time. God will not take, or take what you're going through and waste it. Do you hear the good news of that? Whatever you're going through, God is not gonna waste it. It becomes a waste when you aren't looking for him in it. The good news is that we are all already suffering. <laughs> whether you like to admit it or not. I'm sure there's something right now that you can think, think of that is a burden, a trial, a struggle, 
a pain point, a sorrow, a regret, a shame. The difference is if we are suffering in a way that allows Christ into that or not. Ask another way, are we letting Jesus into our suffering and letting him show us a way through it? This is a quote from Peter K. Lewis. Um, it says this, to, to fellowship with Christ in his suffering is a great privilege and is intended to bring life to you. To convert a trial into a blessing is a matter of perspective. You can complain or bemoan the trial or you can enter into it and trust yourself to the Father. Trials will either cause you to question the love of God or to fall into it. If we are letting Christ into our pain, we should see the suffering begin to change. Or at the very least, our view of it begins to change. It changes from a suffering that is focused on us to a suffering that is focused on him. We should see that the suffering is changing us into more like him instead of making us more into what we already are. Now, I could be wrong here, but pain will cause you to retreat into one of three things. Pain will cause you to retreat into either bitterness. It will cause you to either retreat into um, despair or will cause you to retreat into Jesus. A brief example of something sadly too common. Mom and dad are fighting. And mom is angry and her heart is cold, shut off and filled with spite because she's become embittered. And dad, he's beaten down, exhausted, drinking and given up on any kind of hope for a way through. He's given into despair. Both parents are allowing the pain to own them and hold them captive and drive them further away from Jesus. You see, they're identifying with the pain more than they're identifying with the promise. Pain is a tool for growth, if not the tool for growth. Pain is a window that lets you see the lies that you're believing about yourself and about God. Pain, if followed, is like a string connected to a pin on the map that shows where things went wrong and are out of alignment. It's like a volcano, a place where the pain breaks through to the surface and erupts, and if it's followed, it can lead to the depths of the brokenness from sin that's still within you. Pain is the fast track to your core. After Jesus' resurrection, he meets his disciples on the beach and he asks Peter three times, do you love me? By doing this, Jesus is bringing Peter back to when he denied him three times, the, the, the time that he probably regretted the most, the time that probably hurt the most, denying Jesus. And Jesus takes him back to that point so he can walk through it with him. Enter into your pain with Jesus so that he can work on it with you. It's not going to go away on its own. You know, they say time heals all wounds or some wounds need time or whatever. I don't know. There's a saying. 
It's garbage. <laughs> Jesus is the only one that can fix your pain truly. You have to go back to the point of pain and give it over to Jesus so that he can sit there with you, comfort you in that place, and then show you the way forward with him. If you've ever been in a, a, just a deep, guttural, overwhelming point of pain in your life, loss of a loved one, um, <laughs> breakups even, uh, I don't know, those are the two I've gone through. No. <laughs> I was a real moody teen. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, in those moments of just almost unthinkable pain, there are no words. The only thing that helps is the presence of people around you. Jesus wants to sit with you in your pain. You are your greatest enemy. Thank you, Zach, for teeing that up in the beginning. You're your greatest enemy, so give up. Give up and recognize your pride in your hardened heart. Allow your heart to be watered back down into a malleable clay that can be crucified in the crucible, that can be purified in the pain that can be sanctified in the suffering. Um, worship team, actually, I know it's a little early, but I want you guys to get up here a little early. <laughs> now hear me, your pain does not own you. Jesus does. Your pain doesn't owe you, Jesus does. So quit cheating on him with your pain. When he bought you with his blood, he paid for not only the sin that you carried, but the pain it has caused too. The cross spans wide enough. It is big enough both for your sin and for your pain. So how do we bring our pain to the Lord? How do we give that over to Jesus? We pray. We pray in humility and meekness with broken spirits and a contrite heart. And scripture says that's the kind of people the Lord likes to draw near to. We are a house of prayer. And so we bring our pain to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is hopeful. Prayer is not meant to be something that makes you feel guilty. I've struggled with feeling guilty about the state of my prayer life. The sins of not doing what I should be doing, what I'm called to be doing, what I should be bringing to the Lord in prayer, but I, I get bitter and I, I get tight-fisted. As a result, I've become preyed upon by my own guilt and my shame. And I've given the enemy a doorway into speaking lies into my life lies of an identity of hypocrisy, of laziness, and ultimately of a doubt of my standing as a redeemed child of God purchased by the blood of Jesus. Guilt from the enemy pushes you to shame and it maims you to stay in the place of wallowing in your pain. 
but guilt from the Holy Spirit is accompanied by hope because it points us to the cross. It points us to Jesus. It points us to repentance and it drives us to pray for Jesus to come and take over. It drives us to pray and see Jesus rule and reign in my life and in others. For those in Christ, pain is no longer theirs to hold on to. Pain is not yours to hold on to. So as a Christ follower, and we as a church, we should be a people marked by prayer and by hope. The world is getting darker and there's going to be pain. But that should never be something that discourages us. It should grieve us, yes. But it should never rob us of the power of Jesus, the plan of Jesus, or the presence of Jesus. Peter ends that first letter, 1 Peter 5.10, he ends it with saying this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to move, we're going to move into a time of prayer. Where is your pain? I implore you, begin to pray about it tonight. Whatever you walked in that door with, you do not have to leave with. Remember all those thoughts you were taking captive and throwing them out? Well, we're bringing them back in. Because it's usually the things that are painful that consume our minds that take up the precious real estate that's there that Jesus wants to occupy. If you don't like your job, you're in the right place to start talking to the Lord about it. If you don't like the relationship or the state of it that you're in right now, you're in the right place to talk to the Lord about it. If you don't like what your relationship with the Lord looks like, you're in the right place to start talking to Him about it. If you spent nights spilling your heart out on something else instead of the Lord, <laughs> on sad songs, on alcohol or weed or any other substance, on gossiping or, or seeking attention or recognition, you're giving your pain to other things that can't actually bring comfort. They won't suffice. They can't sustain you or revive you. As we were worshiping, I just, I just felt the expectancy growing in me for chains to break, for new freedoms to come into this room, for you to walk out lighter than what you walked in. And I asked the Lord, I was like, is there anything else? Is there anything else you want me to say? And he said, speak my name. And I'm telling you, speak his name. Speak his name over your pain. Speak his name over your situations. 
I know how this goes. I've got pain. I've got things that don't go my way. I've got things that make me bitter. I've got things that make my heart hard. And at that point, I have the option to speak the name of Jesus over that or let that pain turn me inwards and draw my gaze off of his, off of his face. That's all of us. That's the race put before us. Keeping our eyes locked on him and not letting these things take our, take our eyes off of his gaze. One of the reasons I, um, I brought us together, I said, you're gonna need each other. Confess to one another. Ask for prayer from the person next to you. But don't ask somebody to, to pray for something that you're not already praying about. I'm guilty of it, I've done it, where I, I, I let this pain build up and then it gets to a point where I'm just overwhelmed and I'm like, I, 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 need, I need my people, I need, I need you to pray over me. Can you pray over me? And I'm not bringing it to the Lord myself. If I was in the Lord's position, I'd look at my own heart and I would see, hmm, he doesn't really seem open to change because he's not coming to me about it. Jesus paid a high price for you to be able to go talk to the Father. Jesus, I pray that you come and you comfort tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and reveal, reveal Jesus to us tonight. Show us the pain that we've been running from. Show us the pain that we've been sidestepping. Show us the pain we've, we've pushed down and, and it comes out in other areas of our life. Jesus, we can only know you as the Prince of Peace when we're in need of peace. We can only know you as the Great Comforter when we are in need of comfort. We can only know you as the Healer when we're in need of being healed. I'm gonna start naming different areas of pain. Listen for the Spirit to highlight one to you. The pain of rejection, usually found comfort in pornography or infidelity. The pain of singleness, usually found from comparison. 
the pain of believing that you're an outcast or an outlier or an orphan. The, the pain of abandonment, being alone. The pain of gossip and feeling like you're beneath everyone else. The pain of using a substance to soothe and numb yourself. The pain from parental failures or the ways that your parents didn't see you, that you thought you needed to be seen. The pain that comes from financial worries and the lack of money and never being able to provide enough. The pain of the death of a loved one. The pain of a physical ailment. The pain of the inability to get pregnant. The difficulty and weight of the sacrifice of being a parent. The pain of not being recognized or fulfilled from your job and what you're putting your hands to every day. The pain of betrayal. The pain of raising a child with a special need. The pain of your singleness. The pain of not having answers when people are asking you, what are you gonna do with your life? pain of <laughs> of being a father and feeling like you don't you don't know how to do this and to lead the pain of your family seeing you as a black sheep as being different the pain of living alone The pain of just needing a close, dear friend. The pain of being, of feeling like a disappointment. pain of having to take care of your parents, the pain of having to lead your parents, <laughs> Jesus wants to be in all of those places. He wants to meet you in each of those places.
and He will. The greatest hindrance is you holding on to that pain. So come, I'm probably just going to keep throwing these out. Find a spot on the carpet. Pray to the Lord about your pain. Lay it down. You don't have to hold it. <laughs>